So, so Mark chapter 4, let's get right into it this morning. We're wrapping up our series, and I'll begin a brand new one next week. Uh, but we've been talking about weighed down, let go and let God. We've been talking about getting rid of excess weight. So we've been on a spiritual weight loss journey for the past six weeks. And we've looked at these uh, weights that slow us down. Remember, the Bible says, Hebrews tells us, that we are running our race. Chapter 12 says we're to run our race with endurance, but before we can run with endurance, he said, let us throw off every weight and sin. Now, we understand sin, okay? Sin's nasty, it's yucky, but weights are anything that impedes our progress. You know, I, I, I've joked with you throughout this series about seeing people run with these extra weighted vests on. I carry enough extra weight. I don't need to run with it. You know, amen? I don't, I don't need to add more weight to run. Uh, so we talk about getting rid of excess, excess weight. So let's jump right in. Uh, Mark chapter 4, his gospel. And it's a story that we know well, uh, but it's a beautiful story. It illustrates our point this morning. It says, on the same day, verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the, notice where he was. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and, the way, and there was a great, everybody say great calm. There was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? May Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, as we've been looking uh, at these extra, extra weights that we carry, uh, Again, these are things that hold us back. I've told you many times through this series that there are research companies, there are research uh, firms who look at, look at things as simple as the, the thread that garments are made of, you know, particularly with swimming and running. They want to find something that, that lessens the friction. If you're a swimmer, you want to have a, you want to have a swimsuit that doesn't uh, unduly give you more friction in the water. So they're always looking for angles to lighten you up so that you can be efficient and effective in your track and field events or whatever it is. Same thing spiritually. If we're going to do what Jesus called us to do, if we're going to be who God called us to be, then we've got to understand that there's weights that we've got to get off so that we can run. So some of the weights that we've looked at, we looked at unforgiveness. That's the very first one. I said unforgiveness is probably one of the most uh, carried weights, excess weights that we have in the body of Christ. We've got people that sit in good fundamental Bible uh, believing, teaching churches that are hindered or held captive by unforgiveness. Then we talked about worry. We talked about anger. Last week, we talked about greed and how greed, that insatiable desire to have more and to have more and to have more will, will, will really slow you down. Uh, all of these added weights, uh, the writer says, get rid of them. And that's what we've been trying to do. This morning, we're going to close out this series by looking at the weight of fear. Everybody say fear. Fear, okay? Think about it. Now, if you're a connoisseur of daily news, and I don't, I don't recommend that, but if you like to jump on the news, watch the news, uh, read magazine, the news, they don't do, do they do newspapers anymore? Okay, well, 
Anyway, if you're a connoisseur of the daily news, I, you understand that right now these are frightening times, right? I mean, these, these are some very tricky times that we live in. I mean, you can't turn the news on without hearing uh, about murders and about wars and about disasters and spy balloons and economic meltdowns. Um, you got the war in Ukraine at this past a year, still going on. Uh, you've got the death toll in Turkey uh, from the recent uh, earthquake that last time I checked was over 45,000 people have lost their lives uh, due to this, uh, this disaster. Uh, the world crops. You know, I've been reading a lot of stuff about the world crops, and they're saying right now that the, world, the world's food supply is at great risk because of wars, droughts, and floods. In fact, they're even saying that uh, the predictions are that the world, uh, again, the world food chain is going to be majorly impacted by all of these things, and people are going to starve. You know, we're seeing stories about the government and about the government surveillance program of, of, of each of us. You know, they're spying on everything that you do. You know, I, was, I told the early service this morning, I said, you know, well, I'm, I'm a product of the 80s, and back in the 80s, they used to sing a, a song, Somebody's Watching You. Well, guess what? They are. Not to make you paranoid or anything, <laughs> but they are. You know, so we talk about that. We see that going on. There's a push right now in, in certain segments of society to give or issue everybody a, what they call a social credit scorecard. And that social credit scorecard basically is you're going to be judged based on your submission to the government. I also read recently where they're considering uh, requiring all new vehicles that are going to be built in the United States of America to have a kill switch installed on everyone that will be sold coming up. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that if there's another pandemic or they don't want you to go anywhere, they just hit the kill switch and you can't go anywhere. You know, again, these are frightening times. You think about Christian genocide in Nairobi, or excuse me, Nigeria. You talk about, I mean, just the other day, a Democratic legislator got up and talked about the, the core building block of society is the family, the nuclear family. She gets up and says, I, here's what I say, here's what she said, and I quote, she called the nuclear family dangerous and un-American. So we see that going on. We have teachers unions and school boards grooming our children, coaching them into this transgender cult. And right now we have suicide bills popping up all over the place. These are frightening times, church. You add to it viruses and bacterium that are immune to our known medicines. There's something going on. And again, if you look around, there's enough in our society right now to really make us scared to death. You know, Jesus is talking about the end times in Luke 21, and here's what he says. He said, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, listen to what he said, distress of nations, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts doing what? Failing for fear, failing for fear from the expectation of the, those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And we are in that generation, I truly believe, that we'll see the advent of the Father. I believe that we are living in that time that Jesus spoke of. But you know what? Again, where, where iniquity abounds, grace much more abounds. You know, the church has to be very careful because we see the perilous days around us. And in fact, that's what the Apostle Paul called it. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy said these were perilous or frightening times. And I think all of us here this morning would probably agree that we have seen a rapid uptick in fear over the last few years. People are afraid. 
And, and the truth is, there is a multitude of reasons to be afraid. There's a lot of things to be fearful of. But here's the thing. How comforting is it to know as a believer that probably one of the most frequent commands throughout the Bible is three-word phrase, do not fear. I want you to think about that a minute. With everything that's going on, with the uncertainties, Jesus also talked about the last days. He said there would be uh, wars and rumors of wars, nations against nation and peoples against people. And again, all of these things we see fleshed out. But again, it's very comforting to us to know that amid all of this uncertainty and all of these frightening things, the, the, one of the most frequent commands in Scripture is do not fear. Do not fear. Why? Well, partly because God knew that we would have plenty of things to frighten us. <laughs> I mean, again, he, he knows the begin from the beginning. He knows there's a lot of things that will frighten us. And here's the thing. That's why this is so important as a weight. If we don't handle fear, if we don't deal with fear and anxiety and all of these things, it is debilitating. It is very debilitating, and it can imprison those who struggle with it. I have known people that will not get out of their house. I've known people that will not drive a car. I've known people that would not fly on a plane. Why? Because they're, fear, they're fearful. What about or what if? My answer is always, what if? <laughs> you know, what if? But see, that's what fear does. You know, if you can think back to during the pandemic, one of the ministries that we started here that the city actually took from us and then actually routed it back through us was uh, one of the ministries that we, we did during the shutdown of everything was we started what we call the seniors, uh, seniors mowing. We've had the senior shopping buddies, the seniors, so seniors, mo say that real fast, seniors mowing service. And what was the, the impetus behind it was that with all the stuff that was being talked about during the pandemic, there were a lot of, they were targeting the elderly people. And so I started getting concerned that there were a lot of elderly people that would be too fearful to get outside. So we thought, we said, hey, we'll go pick up your groceries. We'll shop for you. We'll do curbside. So that's what we did. The mowing service. There are people that still today are paralyzed by fear. Now listen, there is an appropriate response to fear. Uh, we need to understand that not all fear is bad. Amen? Not all fear is bad. Like anger, it is a God-given emotion uh, that he gives to us. So it's not bad in and of itself. Now, normal fear or reasonable fear, it protects us from danger. How many of you ever heard fight or flight? That's what, that normal fear is the fight or flight. It protects, for, protects us from danger and it alerts us to a threat. But abnormal fear, okay, or excessive fear can paralyze and destroy us. You know, there is an appropriate fear response that prepares us to deal with an immediate threat or danger. I'll share this story with you. Years ago, I was sleeping in my bed at the house. And in the middle of the night, probably, I don't know, maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Don't you hate it? Why can't things happen earlier in the day, you know? But about, about 1 or 2 o'clock in the evening, at night, my alarm goes off, my security alarm goes off at the house. Now, you want to talk about something that's quite unnerving in the middle of the night when you're asleep is to have your alarm system going off. And so I'll just, I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> you should have seen me. I'm, I'm laying there asleep, and that alarm goes off, and man, I jump, out of my, I jump out of my bed, retrieve my security device. 
That's a 1911-45. <laughs> I racked that thing, and I was, man, I was ready to take on whatever threat was coming to my house. Boy, you're going you're gonna to hurt my family. You're going to go through me. Man, I was ready. I mean, just, man, I'm telling you, you should have seen me. It's like a movie. Woo, I was there. When I investigated, I found out that I had not shut my door, my back door all the way. I didn't, I didn't latch it all the way. And so the wind, everybody know the wind here is ridiculous, or some say redunculous. It had, it pushed my back door open just enough that it triggered my alarm. So there I am standing in my Fruit of the Looms. My adrenaline is, is pumping, my heart is pounding, and I look over to Sheila, and she remembers. I, I look over to Sheila, and I said, did you see how fast I was? I still got it. <laughs> that, that's an appropriate response. Yeah. That's, an that's a good response. But here's the thing. But God doesn't want me living in fear. God doesn't want us living in fear. Paul, writing to Timothy, said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of, of, of what? Yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> a sound mind. A sound mind. In our text, I love this story. I always like to picture myself there. I have this imagination, and, and I always try to picture myself being in that story. And, and so Jesus has been teaching the masses, okay? So he's out there, and, I, you know, if you've been with me, you, you've been on the Sea of Galilee, and you think about the Sea of Galilee. It's not, a, it's not an ocean. It's not, it's not like the Gulf of Mexico or something like that. It's not like the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean. It's a, it's a lake. It's a big lake. In fact, if you stand in Tiberias, which is on the western side, you can look over to the Golan Heights, which is on the western, uh, the eastern side. I mean, you can see it. Now, you can't see north and south, but you can see east and west. And, it, and, and, and the Sea of Galilee is below sea level, so, so it sits in a bowl, okay? It sits in a bowl. And, uh, and so you can imagine this story. Jesus has been teaching the masses. He, at the end of the evening, he says, okay, guys, now let's set sail, go to the other side. And so they do. They get in the boat. Now, you've got to understand, this is not a cabin cruiser. Okay, they, they actually have one of the museums that we visited the last time we were in Israel. They're in Tiberias. They actually have, they recovered a ship of that era. And it's probably 14 feet, maybe 16 tops. That's, all, that's how big it is. And so you had all the disciples in that boat and Jesus. And where was Jesus? He's asleep. As they're sailing along, the Bible says a massive storm swept down, and it still does it, by the way, to this day. It swept down out of the mountains, and it turned that lake into a, 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 a raging, swirling nightmare. In fact, the Bible said the disciples were in full panic mode. Where's Jesus? Sound asleep. You ever met anybody who just sleep through anything? Isn't that irritating? <laughs> so I grew up in Mobile. Alabama, Hurricane Alley, and uh, always funny because when, when I married Sheila, her family, every time it thunders, they all turn the lights on and they get up. And I'm like, well, I mean, why, why do you do that? Well, what if something were to happen? I said, what if it does? Well, what if, a, I'm like, look, I'm going to go to heaven rested. <laughs> right, right? I mean, if something's going to happen, I'm going to heaven rested. Why do I have to 
but anyway, so, so, so they're panicked. They're in full panic mode. So they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, wake up. Don't you even care that we're about to, we're about to die? And I love Jesus. I, I love how he just kind of, I can just picture Jesus. It's been a full day. He just kind of, peace be still. <laughs> and the Bible says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Beautiful. Do you know most of our fears come from things we can't control? You ever notice that? Most of the things we fear are beyond our control. We, listen, you can't control your health. Now, there are things you can do to help improve your health, okay? Like putting down the ding-dongs and the ho-hos and getting the rice cake. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, there, there are things you can do to help you, but you can't control it. You can't control your health. When Sheila had her stroke in 2012, I, I mean, she was in great shape. She's great, healthy. You know, I mean, we can't control that. How about this one? You can't control your children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can't control whether or not our company is going to downsize and we lose our job. I want you to hear this. If we are our primary source of security, no wonder we're panicking all the time. If I'm my own source of security for my life, then no wonder I'm living in fear and panic all the time. See, excessive fear is caused when our source of strength is not strong enough to sustain us. Think about that for a minute. Excessive fear is caused when our source of security is not strong enough to sustain us. If I'm the source of my security, I'm, I'm really in a, in a poor situation. Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? I'm sure, that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing what they would say. You know, I'm, I'm sure when Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? I'm sure the disciples said, are you kidding? Why are we afraid? I mean, we're about to be swept into the depths of the sea and you're back there sleeping and we're about to die. I mean, why wouldn't we be afraid? Well, here's the point that Jesus was trying to make. Jesus knew that he could calm the storm. And he thought they did too. But they didn't. And they panicked. Listen, if we're going to eliminate this excess weight of fear, then we need to develop a confidence in our ever-present God. Did you get that? An ever-present God. He's not somewhere over there waiting on us to get through whatever mess we're going through. He's an ever-present God. The Bible says he's an ever-present help in times of trouble, times of need. He walks through the deep, dark valleys of life. He's with me. I fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's it. We have to develop. If, listen, if I'm going to get rid of this excess weight of fear, then I've got to develop a confidence that God is with me on the mountaintop, in the valley low. Wherever I am, God is always with me. Another storm comes up. You can read... They, they experienced some storms. There was another storm. And the disciples learned that sometimes God will calm the seas, but sometimes he gives them the grit to go right on through. See, sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms us. But he still serves his purpose. So what do we fear? Well, we fear things like, number one, we, feel like fail, we fear failure. Do you know there are a lot of ministries that are not started today because people, people fear rejection and failure? They don't want to take that bold step of faith. God not comes knocking on our heart's door and says, hey, I really would like for you to start this, or I really would like for you to be involved in this. And they're like, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. I didn't go to Bible school. or I, 
you know, I, I haven't been saved long enough or whatever reason. We, we fear that. How about the story in Matthew 25? Remember, the master gave out all the talents. He gave a talent to one of the guys. And what did he do with it? He goes out and he buries that talent. And when the master comes to call them to account, here's what he said in Matthew 25. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid and I went out and buried your talent in the ground. Again, there's so many people that are burying what God has given them to do because they're afraid. We miss so much because we are simply too afraid to try. It's like, well, I'm not I'm going to chase that. I got too many things to talk about. We just don't try. Faith is the evidence of things what? Not seen. It's that it's taking that step trusting that God is going to have it all work out. Not not only do we feel fa- fear failure, we fear loss. Loss. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what? We fear death, right? I've officiated many, many funerals in the last 30 years of pastoring here. And I've not, I, even the one recently, uh, I, I had people say, you know, I really would like to be there, but I just can't attend the funeral. There's just something about death. We struggle. We struggle with this fear. You know, coming to grip with one's own mortality is very unsettling. You know, as I get older, you know, my sinuses, it's been one of them weeks with sinuses. I've never, I was telling nervous service, I've never had an issue with sinuses as bad as I have this year. And, and then it dawned on me, I've never been as old as I have been this year. You know, as I get older, I find this to be a big deal. Can I, can I tell you that Jesus came to free us from the fear of death? That's why, that's why Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 15, he, he asked this question. He said, death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? You know what? We don't have to fear death. Death is a doorway. It is a transition. When I, when I breathe my last breath here, I take my first breath there. Everything that I live my life for by faith right now, I get to see by sight. But we fear that. We fear death. I love the message paraphrase of Hebrews 12, excuse me, 2. It says, since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. He goes on, by embracing death, taking it into himself, He destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who were, listen to this, freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Isn't that good? He came to free us from being scared of death. We fear so many other things. We fear being judged. We fear illness. We fear being alone. I mean, how many people have made dumb decisions because they just didn't want to be by themselves? There's one right there. (laughs) No, yeah, no, I mean, do you understand? I mean, there's so many people that are so afraid that we jump to do things that we know we probably shouldn't. We fear being alone. We fear, listen, we fear rejection, right? We fear finances, I mean, we fear all kinds of things. We, we fear disasters. We fear, we fear our, you know, if you're a parent here this morning, you fear for your children. Am I telling the truth? 
You fear, you fear for your children. If you're a parent here this morning and you have a high school senior, you are in fear of your child going off to college, going into the military, going into the workforce. I mean, there's so many things that consume us and cause us to be fearful. So how do we deal with this? How do we eliminate this debilitating way to fear? Let me give you three things real quick. Number one, if we're going to deal or throw off this extra weight, learn to recognize the Prince of Peace. Isaiah said that he would be called the Prince of Peace. And it wasn't just a name that was reserved for the Old Testament. It is a name that is st that's still applicable today in 2023. He's still the Prince of Peace. I love what Jesus said in John 14. He's speaking to his disciples and he said this, Peace I leave with you. And he says, My peace I give to you. Well, that's, and, and then he even qualifies it more. He said, Not as the world gives you do I give to you. He said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isn't that good? I give you peace. See, peace is not the cessation of conflict or chaos. It is an inner tranquility that says, it is well with my soul. Everything will be all right. That's what that peace is. See, the world preaches a message of peace. But to the world, peace is a cessation of conflict or strife or angst or whatever. But that's not his peace. His peace transcends understanding. His peace enables us when the doctor looks at us and says, there's nothing medically that can be done for you anymore. His peace says, but I know in whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's the peace. He said, I'll give it to you. And I'm not giving you worldly peace. I'm giving you my peace. Don't let your heart be fearful, neither let it be afraid. See, Jesus was with his disciples, and they failed to recognize the Prince of Peace. Isaiah, again, said he would be called the Prince of Peace. He's still the Prince of Peace. He's still the peacemaker. My wife used to sing. I love to hear her sing. And I think of all the things over the last 10, 11 years of her not being able to do because of her stroke is to sing. I love to hear her sing. And she used to sing a song called Peacemaker. What a, it says, I know the Peacemaker. And I know him by name. See, we got to understand that we have an advocate and an intercessor who's always with us. And he still brings peace in the chaotic situation. Listen, there's no place or time that we can be that he's not already prepared our path for us. No place. You have to re remember, we fear that which is beyond our control. And the truth is this, all of life is beyond control. Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorite verses says, you will keep him. Who will? You. You. Who's you? The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, you need to mark that, put that on, a, on, a, on your refrigerator. You will keep him, you will keep, and personalize it. You, the Prince of Peace, will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is focused on you because I trust in you. That's it right there. What a promise. <laughs> I don't have to fear because I know the peace speaker. I know him. Number two, learn to fear God. 
I've got to remember the peace. I've got to remember or recognize the, the, the Prince of Peace, but now I've got to learn how to fear God. Now, I know that sounds a bit odd, but what we're talking about is fear and reverence. How many can ever look back? How many here today can look back over your life and actually see the hand of God working and orchestrating events in your life? Anybody here can see things? What that means is look back and go, wow. <laughs> wow. No, notice, notice how the disciples responded to what Jesus did. When, when he got up, when they woke him up, and he spoke to the wind and the seas, they calmed down, and he asked them, why are you so afraid? Why, where's your faith? Here's what it says. They turned to each other, and they said, who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? What were they doing? They now learned the fear of the Lord. They now learned the awesomeness of our great God. They stood in awe of him. You know what? I, I, I'm amazed at the wonder of our God, who with the spoken word, everything that is made was made by him, for him, and through him. I'm amazed that people today are still discovering the intricacies of his creation that he did long ago. They're still finding it to be borne out in daily re reality. See, when we're afraid, we've got to remember that our God is bigger than all of our fears. Listen, there was a group of vegetables that got together, and they sang God is bigger, bigger than the boogeyman. <laughs> He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Listen, if produce can recognize the greatness of God, <laughs> surely we can. I mean, the VeggieTales were on to something there. God is bigger, bigger than all of those things. Derek Kidner wrote it, uh, put it like this, said the fear of the Lord is the fear that puts all other fears in its place. Listen, when we fear God, that awesomeness of God, we don't, have to need, we don't fear anything else. David wrote in Psalm 20, 27, 1, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I like that. See, that's the, that's the persona of David when he went out to, to Goliath. David goes out there. All the other people were hiding in fear. And David goes out and he tried man's best. He did. Saul said, put on my armor. He said, no, man, I've not tested that before. You know, he's encumbered by all the man-made junk. He said, no, just, just, just let me go out there. You know, I got a sling and God's going to take care of it. And that's exactly what he did. He goes out there, and I think this is where this is born. He's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's my strength. He's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Devil. devil. <laughs> Goliath, you come to me with a sword and shield, but buddy, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. This day he will give you to me. That's strength right there. Listen, David was not self-confident. David was God-confident. That's what I'm talking about. He had the confidence that God was with him no matter where he was going. The third thing is this. Remember that God is with you, okay? Again, he's the ever-present help in time of trouble. Uh, like I said earlier, one of the most common phrases or commands in the Bible is do not fear. And you know why? Because God gives the answer to that, because I am with you. That's it. Do not fear. Well, what's the reason for not fearing? Because I'm with you. Because I'm with you. The great evangelist, Billy Sunday, 
Here's what he said, and I quote, Fear knocked on my door, faith answered and said, there was no one home. <laughs> I like that. Fear came knocking on my door, faith answered and said, sorry, ain't here today. That's how we live. God spoke through Isaiah in chapter 41. He said, so do not fear, for I am with you. I am with you. When you pass through the waters, what did he say? I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, he said, it's not, you're not going to be burned, and the flames will not scorch you. Psalm 23, 4, when I walk through the deep, dark valleys of life, I'll fear no evil. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. So let me close by giving you some very practical ways to deal with fear. I don't, you know, I changed this. I actually was going to preach on addictions this morning, and I, early in the week, I just felt the Lord move me to fear. Because somebody here today, you're battling with, with abnormal fear. And God wants you to be free of that. You know, we can, we can talk about recognizing the Prince of Peace. We can talk about knowing that He's, he's with us. We, we, we can talk about those things. But let me give you four practical things real quick that you can do right now that will help you. Number one, identify the fear and speak Jesus to all your fears. You know, we sing that song, I Speak Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Speak Jesus. Jesus over this, Jesus over that, Jesus over your family, Jesus over... Speak Jesus. His name is a powerful name. It's a healing, delivering, saving name. Speak Jesus into those things. Jesus said, speak to the mountain and tell it to move. I'm saying speak to your fear and rebuke them in His name. You see, the authority has been given to us through Jesus Christ to speak His name, to anchor in His promises. So the first thing is to start identifying those things that you fear. Number two... Make Psalm 23 a daily portion of your life. What do I mean by that? Well, in your daily devotion, read it. Read it. Every day read Psalm 23. Now, here's the caveat to that. Claim each part of that for yourself. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. And hang on to it. The Lord is Mike Mizell's shepherd. Claim those things. Every promise of God is yea and amen. There are 7,487 positive promises of God in the Bible. How many of them do we know? How many of them do we quote, cite, hang on to when everything goes to pot? Take Psalm 23. Claim each part. He's your shepherd. He leads you. He guides you. What does he say? When you go through the deep, dark valleys of life, I will not fear because he's there. He prepares me a place before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head. You do those things. Start speaking that every day. Make that a part of your daily devotion. It wouldn't take you more than five minutes to read Psalm 23. Better yet, commit it to memory. And when you find one of those anxious moments popping on you, begin to quote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Watch what faith does. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So begin to speak faith. Number three, journal your fears. When you fear, when you fear or are in panic mode, identify what triggers you, okay? And then write them down. And the reason for this is now you need to make it a matter of prayer. Start making it a matter of prayer. If you fear being alone, write that down and start praying about it. If you fear your health, Write that down and start praying about it. 
if you fear finances, if you find yourself getting low in your, in your checking account and you start panicking and fearing, start writing that down and saying, okay, God, you're my provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the providing God. There are a lot of scriptures in there that are promises of God that deal with all of these, th these things that we fear. And number four, after you journal those things down, invite somebody to pray with you about your fears. Listen, the Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. One of the things I've always, in, in 30 years of pastoring here, I've always said, we're in this together. This is our BT family. We're family. You hurt, I hurt, we hurt. This is not, this is not the place to burn up Ma Bell with, with a gossip and tongue. This is a place to stand shoulder to shoulder, locked arm. Listen, I was in the military, and there were, I, there, there were guys that had my six, and I trusted them. If I got sent out on an assignment, deployed somewhere, there were guys that had my six, and if they sent, were sent out, I had their six. The church ought to be the same. We ought to have one another's backs. We ought to be able to stand in the gap for each other when we're hurting. So write down your fears and learn how to pray with one another. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, where two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they ask for, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. Would you stand with me this morning? Did you get that? He controls everything. Tony Evans always said, Dr. Evans always said that everything that comes in life is either caused by or allowed by God. Sometimes that goes right against our, our theology but I would encourage you to change your theology because God protects us. He guards us. Right up here on my right, your left, and the same thing on this side. We've done this before this during this series are some cards. Little three by five index cards and some pens. Here in a moment, they're going to sing. And if you're here today and you're battling with fear, listen, I... I wouldn't have changed this had God had, had he already knew who was going to be here today. 
And if you're struggling this morning because you are paralyzed by fear, again, fear is one of those, uh, normal fear is good. It protects us from danger, from threats. Abnormal fear is not. It's debilitating. It's controlling. And God wants you free. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need God to restore my mind. I've been so sucked into the calamities of my life, the heartaches and the hurts of my life. Listen, I'm not discounting anything that's happened to you. I would never do that. I walked through a difficult journey myself. But at some point, you've got to step beyond that and say, Prince of Peace, bring me a peace that doesn't make sense. Because he'll do it. He'll do it. You've heard me tell that story of Sheila. When she had her stroke and almost died and the doctors are throwing their hands up like we don't really know what to do. We're doing all that we can. And I'm sitting in the room and I'm bawling my eyeballs out. and like, please don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. That's on a Wednesday. Later on that night, probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm sitting in the corner of that hospital room, Hughley Hospital. And I had that epiphany and I thought, you know what? My wife doesn't belong to me. She's God's. So I walk over there and she's hooked up in all this stuff and I take her hand. I look up to the to their ceiling and this is what I prayed I said God here's the deal that's the only way I know how to pray I'm just this is just me I said God here's the deal Sheila doesn't belong to me she belongs to you and if you're ready for her I'm okay I still get emotional about it I said I'll be all right I said, and if you take her, I promise you that I'll not be angry at you. I'll not, I'll not get mad at you. I'll not curse you. I'll not quit preaching. I said, but the only thing I'm going to ask you to do for me is to give me strength to go through this. And the moment I prayed that prayer, the best way I can describe it is like being out in the middle of the sun in August and grabbing a cold glass of water out of the refrigerator and drinking it. I, I literally felt a peace wash over me that went down into my gut and it has not left me to this day. Oh, there have been other bumps in the road since 2012, I promise you. There have been other health scares. Last time we were in Israel, we are leaving the, ho- the hotel to go to the airport. It's about midnight. Our, our time there in, in Jerusalem. My sister-in-law calls me on the phone and says, Mike, Sheila fell and broke her hip in Louisiana. They were taking care of her for me while I was gone. And she doesn't want to have surgery there in Louisiana. She wants to be back home. So we're going to drive. We're going to, t- we're going to drive and transport her all the way to the Harris Hospital so she can have her surgery. Now, I haven't got on the plane yet. And I've got a 11 and a half hour flight knowing that my wife 
is in a hospital surgery, not knowing anything was going on, couldn't get updates, couldn't get updates. But that whole 11 and a half hours, I had a peace that transcends all understanding. What, I'm, what am I telling you? I'm telling you, when you learn to recognize the Prince of Peace is always with you. It doesn't mitigate the dangers and the toils and all those things that we go through, but what it does is it gives you a calmness that says, you know what? It is well with my soul. And whatever you're facing this morning, if you don't have that, won't you write it down? Won't you write down what you're fearful of? You don't, don't put your name on it, just write down. And we're going to trust God. As you write that down, you say, God, today I'm giving you this. I'm giving you my health. I, I went to the doctor and it wasn't good. I give you my finances. I, I, I'm overdrawn and I don't know where the, whatever it is. Write it down, give it to God. And let the Prince of Peace come and do the same thing for you he did for them. Peace. Peace. What did the Bible say? And a great calm came upon them. So when I sing, would you come this morning? And would you write down whatever you're, you're dealing with right now? Just write it down. And we're going to trust God together. I just want to speak the name Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within his presence I speak Jesus
pray for one thing this morning. Give me just, just a tad bit more. One, one thing that is kind of heavy on my heart this morning. There is no addiction that is too strong that God can't break. A lot of times people fear, again, I'll go, I'll go to that again, fear stepping out and saying, God, I give you my addiction because they just feel, feel like their addiction is too strong. And I just want to remind you that we're talking about the God who created all things out of nothing and sustains it with his powerful word has no limitations on, on power whatsoever. And that addiction must bow to his authority and to his name. That's why the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess in every realm that he's Lord. And, and I, I just, as, as we dismiss, I, I really feel like I want to pray for that specific thing as we close, that whatever you're struggling with, and addictions can be many, many things, okay? Codependency is an addiction. Drugs are addictions. Alcohol is addictions. Many, many things. But God doesn't want us captive to anything but Him. And I want, to, I want to pray. I want to pray, and I want you to be free this morning. If you're here, and again, I'm, I may be misspeaking, but I, I feel like real heavy on my heart. I need to pray. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, I, I want you to claim and grab hold. His name is a powerful name. Luke chapter 4, he said he came to break the shackles that's the ministry of Jesus, breaking shackles, breaking chains, loosing the captive. Because if you're bound, you can't operate in freedom, his freedom. Father, today, right now, I've been, I've been obedient. And Lord, I believe that you're working because you never stop. Lord, you're breaking the shackles of fear and anxieties. Lord, you're helping us to focus on the Prince of Peace and how we can walk in the abiding presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Father, may we not leave carrying the same fears that we deposited on this stage. But Lord, may we once and for all break the ties that bind us. And Lord, now I pray for those who struggle with addictions of various types. Lord, it is never your will for us to be bound to anything except you. So Father, I pray that you would do a work inside of us. That, Lord, whatever that addiction is, that, Lord, we renounce that stronghold. That's what it is. It's surrendered ground in our life. We renounce that sur surrendered ground that we willingly gave up to our adversary and our enemy. And, Lord, we, we stake that claim for you. 
Lord, whatever that addiction is, Lord, we renounce alcohol, we renounce drugs, we renounce pornography. Lord, we renounce codependency. Lord, we renounce prescription drugs this morning. Those, those things that ensnare and entangle us, Lord, we renounce that. We ask for freedom. Lord, break the chain and the cycle of addictions and set us free. Because you said whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It is not the Father's will that your children walk in bondage. It is not the Father's will that we walk in captivity, but that we be free. And so, Father, today we renounce those things that ensnare us and hold us back, and we declare freedom in our lives, freedom in our homes, freedom on the job, freedom in our minds. Lord, we submit all of our thoughts to the majesty of who you are. Now, Father, we walk out today determined to not fear. You are our light and you are our strong tower. There is no one or nothing to fear. I pray as we walk out of here today, may we walk out determined not to be, not to be held, weighted down with fear any longer, but set us free in the powerful name of Jesus. Now go with us. Give us a great day. May we walk in your freedom every day this week should you tarry and bring us again ready to receive from you. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. This is for victory. This is for victory. Victory in the name of Jesus.
Yeah, that all. 